Hey, Generation Church, we welcome you and invite you to encounter Jesus with us. We believe that through him, we will encounter love and discover our purpose. So take a seat, lean in, and let this message fortify your faith. Well, I'm excited about today. We're continuing our series of This Is Us. If we could put up that banner. Um, It is, um, we're going to be going through several weeks of of really the heartbeat of who we are as a church. You know, sometimes people come and they visit and like, well, this is a nice church, but what do they believe here? What do they think? What do they value? What's important to this church? Well, those are questions that go on through a lot of people's minds. And what we're wanting to do is take you all through a journey, through discovering who we are. And what we see and believe is very important in this church that we um, hold on to dearly and that we believe that's really kind of the pillars of this church. They're just strengthening us and, and, and building us up and edifying us. But these are pillars that um, we hold dear. So in that, I'm excited today because... One of the things that was on our hearts, Eliza and I, when we came to the mountains to plant this work, the one thing that was on our mind and on our hearts was that we wanted to see a people of all generations coming together as one. See, because before the Lord returns, he's coming back for a generation, young and old. And we so value the wisdom and the strength and, and just the insight that, that the older have. Plus, we so need the passion and the zeal of the younger to give us a good boost. And the beautiful thing about God is he wants to see the passion and the zeal of the younger united with the wisdom and the experience of the older before his return. This is the genius of God. He's coming back for a family. He's not coming back for just those that are in their 20s and 30s, believe it or not. He's coming back for Don Lee, and he's coming back for Joe Jane. You bet. (laughs) I mean, Joe Jane is a, a young 103 years old. And she's sharp as a tack. And she'll make sure she'll put you in line if you need to be put in line. So, but we need Joe Jane. We wouldn't be who we are if it wasn't for Joe Jane and Don Lee and for the Carols and for the Samsons and the, all the, the teenagers. But the reality is, is that um, we're a better people because having older united with the younger and see it is my desire that the younger get on my shoulders i i desire that my ceiling be my son's platform see because really that's the way that god sees it he wants the hearts of fathers to turn to the children first and then the children to the fathers so I want my children, spiritually and physically, to 
to get on my shoulders, to get on my ceiling and let their lives go above and beyond what I've ever done. See, because what, what Matthew needs is a double portion anointing of what I have for him to fulfill what's ahead. He needs an Elisha, an anointing. Elijah was anointed of God, but you know, I love what Elisha said. I want double of your anointing to be upon me. And that was a brilliant thing to think about and and for him to even um, come to his mind because he realized he needed a whole lot of that anointing to do what God had called him to do. And so in this day and age, all those that are younger, I would say my age, younger than me, no. Um, You all need a double. You need a double. Just go ahead and get a triple if you want. I mean, but you need the anointing of God to continue to walk on to fulfill the purposes that God's called you to today. So in that today, when we... When we're speaking today about a generation, and Eliza has such clarity on this word uh, that it will, I hope it resonates in your heart to understand that God has got something incredible for us as a people when we catch this vision. This really comes through revelation. It has to come through revelation in the spirit to understand what it is to be a generation, to be one of all ages. So we're going to continue the series today. Did everybody get an outline? If you didn't get an outline, would you lift up your hands? If you didn't get one stuck in? Okay. We got a couple up here in the front, over here, over there, everywhere. So go ahead and grab grab a pencil or pen. We have some pens to hand out too if you don't have... A pen, we want to hand some of those out. They're in the back. Also, there's some on the back of the chairs, but we have, you have fill in blanks today. So I want you guys to, this isn't a class, but we don't want anybody falling asleep. We want to stay engaged. So there's fill in the blanks. So would you guys all warmly welcome Eliza as she comes on up to share? All right. You guys ready? Me too. Um, my hand's so sweaty, my computer's not turning on. <laughs> okay. Um, all right, Lord, I thank you for what you've given me, and I just ask that you would um, just help everything that is to be said. Bring um, the stories, there's so many, the ones that you want today. Give us ears to hear. Give us eyes to see. Give us a heart that responds and transformation that you desire. In Jesus' name, amen. So, um, anybody that knows or spent any time with me is going to know that I cut, bleed generationally. And um, I don't know, I don't know, um, I, I don't know why except for that he just put this in me and it's his heart and I have such a journey I don't sometimes I just like Lord where I am again so thank you 
I remember, you know how sometimes in your life there are certain moments that, like, you just don't forget. It's just, it's like a, it's a um, kairos or a, a, it's like God just puts a, you know, your dog tail the, the page and you go back. Like, I mean, I've had a lot of days in my life and there's a lot I don't remember, but we were at a worship service when we were early married and um, I must have been 24 and Sam must have been 29 because he's five years older than me. <laughs> and there was a word spoken for this powerful generation. Everybody that's 25 and older stand up and everybody else sit down. And so I'm, I'm beside my husband and I see myself standing and him sitting. And I think it was important, it's important to see what the Lord is doing in the next generation. But I felt this, okay, wait a second, we're one. So, but we're in different places. And so, you know, and we, as we were married and we actually already had a child or two by then. And um, as a mom, and even as long as I can remember, I've just desired to be a mom. I think God's just wired me as a mom, not just to, yes, to my natural children, but just a, a mom for the body of Christ. And the older I grow, the more I understand that and step into that. But anyway, as a young woman, a young mother, I was purposeful. I've got to raise these kids so that one day they can know God and walk with him. Like, that was in me. And it was, that was good, but it wasn't complete because I needed to have a vision that God actually wanted to encounter them while they were little and that he wanted to meet them and run with them all their days. And so we just had this, I remember, you know, at this vineyard church we were in, Samuel, he's our oldest, he's now 31. He was two years old, and we were at a worship service, and we've always been in, in services that have had the children in worship. It's a lot of work as a parent. And it can be a distraction if you're not a parent and you don't have the right heart set. But the value of them here with us is immeasurable. And it's worth working for, not striving, but being purposeful to go after that. Anyway, so we were probably about where Jim would be in this um, sanctuary. And Samuel, you know, he's two, and he's standing there, and kind of, kind of like a Laura and Abel, like, but we were in the back. So he's, he's back here, and... He's like here, like with between us, and then he's like here, and then he's like here, and he's in the aisle. Now, everybody in this vineyard church, there are pews in this building. <laughs> it's a new vineyard. So there are pews, and everybody's inside the pews, except for Samuel. And so I'm a mom. This, this tension, is this okay? Is this not okay? Who's the parents ever worship like one eye on the Lord and the other one on your kid and you're just trying to figure out, are they being a distraction? Are they connected? What's happening? Okay, so that's where I was. And as I'm processing this, before I know it, he darts to the front. And my heart's racing. 
and this two-year-old in the middle of a sanctuary of people standing in pews bows down. Guess what else happened? All of a sudden, other people start going to the altar. Like, do you, does his, not, does his mind really know? I don't know. Did his spirit know? Yes. So, later on, um, when we were in Atlanta, and by this time, I've seen the Lord encounter my children. And um, I really felt purposeful to make a space for them, not only my children, but other children in our church community, not just on Sunday morning. So we started a ministry called Kingdom Kids. And um, we meet every Friday nights and we tell the parents, you drop your kids off, just give us your kids. And we would worship with them and do puppets and just wanted to make space for them to encounter God. We, and then what began to happen, though, is they were encountering God. We were also encountering God. And as they were free in worship, we became free in worship. And they begin to, we begin to see like they can hear, like there's no junior Holy Spirit in a small body. And um, we had a night of intercession one night. Sam said, we're going to... Um, talk on prayer tonight and um, so we had our little puppet skits on prayer and we looked at the word on prayer and we did a couple object lessons on prayer and then Sam said okay now we're going to pray and he had a microphone and he, he said I'm going to put the microphone and the, the kids at that time were probably well all of our kids were there so like two was Jeremy was probably two on up to 11, 12. And then we had some youth also just hanging out because we were trying to encourage them to turn to the younger ones and they were the ones doing the puppets and, and all that. I look back now and go, man, that was a lot of work. I don't, but it was worth it. <laughs> and we've never felt since we've been here that we were to recreate that. Um, but anyway, so Sam says, hey, okay, we're, now we've talked about prayer. We've learned about prayer. Now we're going to pray. And I'm just going to put this microphone down in the, in the, on the floor, and if you sense something's on your heart that you ask God, like, what do you want me to pray? I don't want you to hesitate. I want you to come up here and pray now, because now if you just want to hear your voice on the microphone, we're not interested in that. I don't think either of us anticipated what the Lord had for that moment. And those kids, there were probably, I don't know, 20 of them. They began to pray. It was probably the most powerful prayer meeting I've ever been in. I mean, they were all engaged. And they were praying. And they were, they were, um, they went into, um, I'd say, travail. We weren't teaching them about travail. <laughs> We weren't demonstrating travail. They just begin to cry out 
for God, one after another. Oh, Lord, we need you. America needs you. Turn turn your heart, Lord God. Let's turn our hearts back to you. They're crying. Lord, we're smitten with your love. For two hours, these kids cried out for God. They prayed, Lord, we know you hear these prayers, and we know that they're going to bounce around heaven until you see fit to bring answers. I mean, they, you know, when you start hearing kids talk about, we don't need our toys and our games, we only want you. So only God can do that. It was a Kairos moment. But I'm telling, I wasn't planning to share this, but I'm, I'm telling you this, I believe the Lord's reminding me this because he wants us to have an understanding of what is possible if we turn our hearts and we make room. After that night, Sam and I began to go, um, (laughs) parents came to pick their kids up and their kids are on the floor. (laughs) And at some point, someone goes, has anybody, has anybody, are we taping this? It didn't even occur to us to tape it. So someone plus, probably tape, and there's about 20 minutes of it. But after that, Sam and I begin to realize it's incomplete. It's not okay, just us and the kids. We need to raise a generation. And so we opened, we shifted the name from Kingdom Kids to Kingdom Generation. And we, we said to the parents, it's not okay for you to drop your kids off. <laughs> you need to be here. They need you, you need them. So in that process, in that time, one day I was in my um, our living room, I was having quite time, and I was reading in Matthew 24, and Jesus is speaking of things that are going to be unfolding and coming when the Son of Man comes back. And in Matthew 24, 32, he said, Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branches have already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know the summer is near. So also, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. And I remember sitting there, and I don't know about you, but I like to read my Bible. I usually have a pencil in my hand. And when I don't understand something, I'll put a question mark right by it. (laughs) And I was like, Lord, I don't understand generations have come and gone what do you mean and he said and I just felt in my spirit I'm waiting for this generation I'm waiting and and like I don't um I don't know there's there's a scripture in Isaiah where it talks about the Lord you know we talked about how God prepares and we know we're supposed to wait there's a scripture in Isaiah that speaks of the Lord waiting on us waiting so I don't know if he's like, I don't think he's like twiddling his thumbs. When are they going to get it? But I think, I do know, I do believe that if he came back today, we would be the generation of his return. Okay? And so he began to have me think 
you know, I'm, I'm sharing you a journey that I'm growing and continuing to grow. And, and so um, somewhere around that time, we had a, we had a um, kingdom generation retreat. We invited the whole church to. And I saw with my eyes in the spirit our entire body catch it. It's like birthing a baby. And I got it. That night, the Lord confirmed to me we were supposed to move up here and plant a church. It's like birthing a baby and then walking away. And yet, it's all part of his story. So, in this, and you look, I want you to look at Psalm 24. This was a psalm that was really big on our hearts then, and actually um, a launch pad for this church. And um, most, not everyone knows that up until 2020, our church name was King of Glory, and then we shifted not because we just like change, <laughs> but because the Lord began to speak to us. The King of Glory is who I am. I want you to be who you are. And so I'll tell you more about that. So let's look at Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord in all its fullness, the world and those who dwell in. He's founded it upon the seas. He's established it upon the waters. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart has not lifted up his soul to an idol nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face. Selah. Needs to pause and think about it. And then the next thing, lift up your heads, O you gates. Be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift up, you everlasting door, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? the Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. It's all about him, the King of glory. That hasn't changed. I love how this psalm, that transitional verse, This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him. And there's something about there will be a generation, and I'm going to do everything I can as long as I live to cultivate, prepare that, and if I die, I'm going to, it's going to be ever passing the baton. That there will be a time when the king of glory comes in and there's a generation, young and old, all ages, looking to him, living in such a way that say, in every situation, lift up your heads. Be lifted up. The king of glory. We need the king of glory to come in. All right, so 
you know, we hear a lot about the word generation, social constructs. I, um, there's the greatest generation, um, born 1901 to 1924. Is anyone in the room in the social greatest generation? Joe Jane. Yep, she's right over there. That's incredible. Okay, um, silent generation, 1925, 1945. Raise your hands. Any silent generations? <laughs> okay, we're glad you're here. <laughs> okay, baby boomer generations, 46 to 64. Raise your hand. Look at the boomer. Let me take, see, and like you're on Instagram a little bit, and you'll hear, you'll see all these videos of younger people knocking the boomers. It's not the heart of the Lord. We've got to be in this world, but not of this world. All right, so shout out to the boomers. <laughs> okay, so he's a boomer. Generation X. The lost generation. <laughs> but powerful. <laughs> 1965 to 79. All right, all your millennials, 80 to 94. Raise your hands. Woohoo! The millennials. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You know what's happening? Those, those millennials are growing up, and that Generation Z is rising up, 1995 to 209. We are so, so glad you're here. They are counterintuitive to the culture around them. You're needed. We're glad you're here. All right. And then... Generation Alpha, 210 to 24. They're all upstairs. <laughs> all right. But I believe God wants this generation, this generation, a generation of his return, those living and seeking him, where Jesus, the Son of Man, the King of Glory, returns. He's going to come back at some point. And like I said, I don't, it's sooner than it's ever been. It may not be for a long time, but I want to live in such a way. <laughs> to be a part of that generation or help the generations coming ready. So we tend to think in terms of my generation, the next generation, your generation, the older generation. We need to have a lens for a biblical view of generation. That's your first blank. Biblical. That's what we're going to do today. We're going to look in the Word. You're going to have more Scripture. Well, you know me. I love the Word of God. <laughs> Sam was like, how are you going to do this? Uh, by his Spirit. <laughs> All right. God introduces himself in Scripture as a generational God. He describes himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Exodus 3, 6. Um, he's speaking to Moses. He says to Moses, I am the God, your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. All throughout scripture, we see God displaying his love and faithfulness from one generation to the next as he works out his purposes 
in the earth. I'm going to say, pause and think about that. <laughs> God gives one reason for choosing Abraham. It's found in Genesis 18, 17 to 19. The Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm doing? He's basically saying, shall I tell him about what I'm going to do with Sodom and Gomorrah? <laughs> Since Abraham surely will become a great nation, a mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. God said, for I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that, they, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken of him. So God, the one reason God gives... God selected Abraham because he knew Abraham would think and live generationally. That he would take the things that he had learned from God and pass them on to his children and grandchildren. We too must learn to think and live generationally. To see the purposes of God fulfilled. In Psalm 78, it says, My people hear my teaching, listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable, and I will utter hidden things from old, things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell them to the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord. His power and wonders he has done. He's decreed his statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children so the next generation would know them, even children yet to be born, so they in turn would tell their children. So the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He is relational, and he's one. He's adopted us as his children, and he has appointed us as family, each of us members of his household. If you missed last week, Sam really spoke quite a bit on this. I would encourage you, I think there's still some outlines from week one, and the um, podcast, if it's not up yet, it will be up soon. Um, take some time with that. In Deuteronomy, um, when all the Israelites are together, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord your God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And these words I command to you today are to be in your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children and talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down. And um, Ephesians 2:19 is what Sam looked at last week. I'm gonna keep going because it's already 11.30 and we're still early in. <laughs> so God reveals <clears throat> his desire 
for the turning, excuse me, the turning of hearts towards one another. Malachi 4, 6 um, says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Least I come and strike the earth with a curse. There's a consequence that happens when the, when the hearts aren't turned to one another. I could probably spend an hour right here. There'll be another day. God, point E, God's plan for his people is to have all ages loving him, living life, and serving him together. We see this pattern throughout the Bible. This is an interesting thing. I want to I highlight the scripture. Exodus 10, 8 through 10. Moses and Aaron were brought again to Pharaoh. So they're in the process of going to Pharaoh. God says, let the people go. And Pharaoh says, no. And so plague comes. And then, God's, and then Pharaoh says, okay, okay, you can go. And then his heart gets hardened. Well, this particular time, Moses and Aaron go to Pharaoh and he asked them, go. He Actually, he's, he's like done. Like, I don't know how many plagues we're into this by now, but he's like done. He's like, go, 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 go. Serve your God. Who, who's going? So he's saying, go. And then he goes, wait, who's going? And then Moses says, we will go with our young and our old, with our sons and our daughters, with our flocks and our herds, we will go. For we must hold a feast to the Lord. And then Pharaoh says, The Lord had better be with you when I let you and your little ones go. In other words, it's enough for you to go, but you can't have the next generation. And we can never be so busy about the things of God that we're not looking behind us and making sure they're coming with us. Okay. <laughs> I could be there a while too. <laughs> um, I want to show you, and on your own time, you can look up these. Biblical accounts, these are specific accounts where the generations are all joined together as one. In Exodus 17, 8 through 13, there is a battle. And Moses tells Joshua, take up your sword and the young men and fight this battle. I'm going to go up on the hill with my rod and I'm going to lift my arms and intercede and pray. So Joshua and the young people are on the battle. Moses, Aaron and her are on the mountain. And Moses is standing there. Here, Matthew, hold this for a second. He's standing there with his arms lifted up, holding his rod. That rod is a rod of authority, it's a covering, it's intercession. Have you ever held something for a while? Your arms get tired. It's hard and heavy. And that rod, as he's starting to get tired, it begins to go down. And as it's going down, Joshua starts losing the battle. 
when he gets enough strength to lift up his arms, the battle turns and Joshua's winning. Aaron and her see what's happening and realize it's not enough for Moses. We need to come along his side and lift up his arms too. And as the three of them kept that rod up, Joshua won. Who won the battle? The Lord did, and he used all of them. All right. Joshua 8, 34 to 35. The entire assembly is hearing the word of the Lord. I'm going to pull up something real quick. I have the wrong. Joshua 8, 34 through 38 says, Afterwards, he read all the words of the law, the blessings, the cursings, according to all that is written in the book of the law. Rick, how, how much, how long do you think that would take? Most of the day. Okay? They were all together, and they read. This is what it says. There was not a word of all that Moses had commanded which Joshua did not read before the assembly. The women, the littles, that's what it says, the littles and the strangers. We have to have faith that we can handle and our kids can handle hearing the word of the Lord. And even if they can't get it here, it's going here. And I'm not saying that they always need to be in here. Obviously, we have a value for children's ministry. They need to have their bite size, but there are times when it's important that the whole body is together. All right, um, 2 Chronicles 2, 13, standing before the Lord in crisis. There was a crisis, and they all, it says the whole community, the mothers, the women, the children, the youth, they all stood before the Lord. And then after that, they all bowed down, and they worshiped the Lord. Ezra 8, 21 to 23, same thing. Fasting and prayer. Everybody. It's not just the adults, it's everybody. Um, Nehemiah 12, 43, joy in service. You can read all these. They're there. Joel 2, 18 to 50, call to repentance. He says, you know, bring the fathers, mothers, everybody come before the Lord to seek him. In Matthew 21, there were children praising in the temple and the Pharisees and Sadducees were offended over it. And Jesus says, don't you know that God has ordained strength at children's praise? So they were there. On the Sermon on the Mount, it was a lad. We don't know how old. But it, there were children there on the Sermon on the Mount because God used that loaf and fishes of the lad to feed 5,000. Children were there. Everybody was there. Acts 2, outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Um, 1 Peter 2 and 4 talks about you are a generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a chosen generation. And then John, in his letter, he writes, I write to you little children, I write to you fathers, I write to you young men. So there's a lot of accounts of generations being con connected together. <clears throat> 
God's design is for the generations to be connected as one, serving together and using each of their various strengths to impact the world for Christ. Acts 2, 17 to 21. It shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men's dream dreams. All my men servants and maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. That last little bit, it says, and it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This prophecy speaks of all ages, male and female, experiencing the outpouring of God's spirit together. The passage concludes with whoever calls on the name of the Lord. God's plan is to empower his church, complete of all ages, to carry a living Jesus to a dying world. There's that scripture in Peter about being a chosen generation and going down. A generationally-minded church is more than a church with programs that serve various ages and seasons of life. It is a church where all ages purpose to unite, to seek and follow Jesus, to worship, to pray, to learn, to love, to grow, to serve, and partner together. The way this practically plays out is that we have to see one another by the Spirit. And we need to honor where each one is on their individual journey. And then we need to look for opportunities to incorporate what can be imparted and received. I remember one day we were living in Weaverville. At its time, Jeremy was probably six or seven and we were coming here for a Wednesday night prayer meeting and we're all loaded up in the car and we're backed out all of a sudden Jeremy goes, you know, you know, Jeremy stop the car <laughs> very dramatic <laughs> so we stopped the car and I'm like what he goes I've got to get my Bible um, and I said okay I said honey we're kind of running like no God told me to take my Bible and I'm supposed to read out of John 20 I need my Bible now, I could have, we could have gone on, or we could honor what he was sensing. And so, we go, hey, well, go get your Bible. So, stop the car. He runs in. He runs in. He gets his Bible. He's back, and he's just like, and he's like, I'm going to read it. I was like, looked at him. I said, Well, that's awesome. But now that you know what God has given you to steward, you now need to wait and ask him when. You know, so there's this partnering to help him learn and grow. As we come, we're having the prayer service, and about 30 minutes into it, I start feeling the Lord, like, pounding, and Jeremy looks at me and goes, it's now. <laughs> I said, you're right. <laughs> we have to have eyes to see. Our gifts, knowledge, perspectives, and strengths are to be mingled and utilized. 
We need what every age brings. Some keys to cultivate this generation church connected to one is intentionality. Got to be intentional. There's a practical of this as Matthew and Elise are raising their children in intentionality, but there needs to be intentionality with us as a body as well. Proximity, we need to be close to one another. I've always thought it a curious thing. The majority of churches in America, by the time a child is born, they are dropped off in children's ministry from the moment the family gets on the property. And those children, when they're, I don't know, definitely when they're that little, all the way up to probably eight or nine, they really want to be near their parents. They do. They just like being with your parents. Hate to tell you something's going to shift. <laughs> but at that time, they really like being with you. And I find it a curious thing that these children, they grow, and then all of a sudden, when they're 12 or 13, we go, okay, now it's time to go into the sanctuary. I mean, they've gotten a message for 12 years that what's happening in there is not for you. It's curious. And I think about the disciples where the, the, the parents were bringing their children, and they're like, no, 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 Jesus is busy doing busy things, good, important things. And Jesus said, no, let the children come to me. Um, encouragement, it takes humility and teachability. It takes healing, health, and wholeness. It takes an investment of time and resources. Do you know that we are here because of time and resources that other people have imparted that aren't here with us anymore? I know it. I don't take it lightly. We need to make space to step out, mistakes to be made, to learn and grow. It takes vulnerability. It takes willingness to show weakness. It takes keeping your love on in hard seasons. <laughs> it takes holding on to the prophetic and fighting the good fight of faith when you don't see in the natural what you know to be true. It takes inheritance. It takes an idea of not just holding on for me, but I'm going to pass on what Sam talked about. I'm going to go as far as I can after God, but I want my children, I don't want them to be I want them to climb up on my ceiling and go further. You've got to think that way. It takes disciples who make disciples who make disciples. All right, fathers and mothers, I'm going to go really quick through this. You don't believe me, I know. God's heart towards father and mothers, you can look at it later, uh, is honor. It's honor. He says the age or crown of glory. He says his divine presence is with in the old age. They're fruitful even in their latter years. That's Psalm 92, 12, 15, powerful stuff. There's examples of the aged 
being called and commissioned by God for his glory. Do you know Noah was 500 years old? Now, that was before God shortened humans' lifetime, but that, that's a pretty long life lived to be called. Um, Abraham and Sarah. Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born. Moses was 120 when he died, and it said that his eyes were not dim and he had vigor in his life. 120. Caleb, at 85, says, give me that land. I'm stronger now at 85 than I was at 40. Let me go. 85 years old. King David, Psalm 71, um, I don't have it memorized, but basically he is saying as an old man, I may be gray-haired and old, but I will go continue the rest of my days telling of God's faithfulness to the next generation. I mean, David, he was a young man. God called him all the way to, he's still having purpose in his older days. Um, Zacharias and Elizabeth, they were aged. Simeon, Anna. All right, so what do fathers and mothers have that sons and daughters need? Wisdom and counsel. Deuteronomy 34.9 says, Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. <laughs> Fathers and mothers have covering and protection. Paul said about Timothy, I thank God whom I serve, and I don't cease praying for you. I remember my prayers day and night. Let me tell you something. The prayer coverage from Don Lee and Joe Jane keeps us going. It is so important. And there's something so important about being undercover, that picture of Abraham with that, I mean, with, um, you know, the Moses, Moses and the rod. Courage and encouragement. Esther 14 through 7, Mordecai told Esther, don't think in your heart you will escape the king's palace any more than the other Jews. If you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet, who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Esther says, well, if I die, I die. It took a Mordecai to speak to her, to give her courage. The other last thing I want to highlight is identity. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus was also baptized. And while he was praying, he while he prayed from heaven, it was opened up, and the Spirit descended on him in bodily form, and a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, and my well pleased. Fathers and mothers can ask the Holy Spirit to see and decree prophetically, because knowing your identity in God produces security, and security produces confidence. Okay, so sons and daughters, Jesus' heart, particularly towards children and youth, Isaiah 40, it says he will pick them up and carry them. He's gentle. He leads them loads gently. Uh, Matthew 10, 42, there's a promise, a reward for kindness. Matthew 18, 2, declared 
the childlike spirit is essential in the kingdom. He says, you know, that's the thing. It's like we, you know, as adults, if we're not careful, we're trying to make them like us, and Jesus says, no, you need to be like them. This week, I was watching Abel and Allura Thursday morning, and they are awesome. They were a little off. <laughs> and I, I said to them, hey, guys, okay, what's going on? You guys seem a little, little off. And Abel goes, I don't know. I just think we need to pray. <laughs> I was okay. And he goes, Jesus, we're a little off, and our hearts need you. Can you come help us? Amen. Later that afternoon, I was taking dinner to our neighbors who are senior seniors since she had surgery and a sweet couple and they love Abel and Allura and Abel and Allura making pictures for them and we made our shepherd's pie and I went by myself. <laughs> but I was sitting with them and I shared with them about, you know, talking about, she's, oh, this is so sweet. And I said, yeah, it started out a little dicey. <laughs> and I, I said something to Abel and Laura about, they were a little off, and Abel goes, that's okay, we can pray. Jesus, we're a little off right now. We need your help. Come help our hearts. Amen. And I just shared that story, and she looked at me, and she goes, wow. What if adults knew how to do that? Jesus said, he explained what happens when children are received. He also um, warned about causing a little one to stumble. He said, let the children come to me. And he instructed Peter, feed my lambs and my sheep. But feed my lambs. Examples of young people God called and commissioned for his glory Joseph was 17 years old when he dreamed dreams. He was 30 before he stood before Pharaoh. Okay, sometimes young people, they get that call and then they think it happens tomorrow. Takes time. <laughs> There's Joshua with Moses. Moses would minister. Joshua and Moses would be together. Then Moses would receive and go and speak to the people, and Joshua would stay in the presence of the Lord as a young man. Samuel, he was a child. His mother weaned him and literally said, I'm giving him to the Lord. Drops him off at the temple. It says a child, a little child, he's ministering to the Lord. He's a little child, we don't know how old, and he hears a voice, Samuel! Samuel! And he gets up and he he runs to the priest. Yeah? I didn't call you. Go back to bed. You know the story. It's a little guy. Samuel, he was called as a child. He walked with the Lord. David, goodness gracious, when Samuel is a prophet in the nation, and God says, I want you to go to this house, and I want you to anoint this one's king, he goes, that one? Surely he, nope, that one, nope, nope. He goes through all the sons. Is this all the sons? Well, there is David. He's just, yeah, he's just David. He's out the sheep. God says, that's the one. Elisha, Joash, he became king when he was seven. Nettie, how old's your son? Okay, nine. Could you imagine? Seven. 
Josiah was eight years old, he became king. At 16, it says he walked in the ways of his father. At 16, he began to really seek God. And at 20, he began to pull down idols in high places in the land. Esther, Jeremiah, God calls him. He says, you're in the womb. I've known you. He goes, I'm just a youth. Don't send me young people. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had been taken from their families to another place, and yet they purposed in their heart to continue to worship and serve the Lord. We've got to raise our young people to be at that place in life. We need to be that place in life. Mary, young girl, Holy Spirit, may be to me according to your word. Peter, James, and John, they were fishing with their father. Young people called disciples. And then there's Timothy. All right, so running your race, passing the baton. The enemy's strategy is to disconnect the older and younger. Honestly, I think his strategy is to kill the younger. But disconnect the older and younger. All can fall prey to a spirit, in the influence of a spirit of independence. I don't need you. I can accomplish what I need to accomplish without you. I'm complete without you. We need Holy Spirit conviction to help us honor, connect, submit, and align. Whose heart turns first? Father's. It takes the mature heart to turn. A young person can also be mature in a situation. It's the heart of mature. Scripturally, it's the heart of the fathers to the children, hearts of the children to the fathers. It, takes, it starts with the mature, turning their heart and purposing to refuse to allow disconnect to come in. <laughs> Man, our, our, when our kids became teenagers, especially um, Amy... <laughs> Sam would be like, I don't know. She wouldn't even talk to me the whole time. I was like, like honey, you got to keep your love on. You got to keep pursuing her right now, even if she doesn't, you know. She's so funny. Well, anyway. <laughs> uh, the pattern we see throughout Scripture, God's mandate and mission, victory, success, and impact is, are connected to generations joining together and walking as one. Moseses that walk with Joshua's take people into promised lands. Elijah's that mentor Elisha's will see Jezebel dethroned. Mordecai's that father Esther's save nations. Elizabeth's that encourage Mary's impart strength and release praise and prophecy. And Paul, that pour into Timothy's, see New Testament churches birth. Second Timothy 4, 1 through 8, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, saying to Timothy, preach the word, be ready in and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort, with all long-suffering and teaching, and then he goes on at the end, I am being poured out as a drink offering 
and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Many worry that passing of the time. See, we're all in a race. And it's not like we're trying to beat each other <laughs> at all. So you've got to think in terms of a relay race. And you're running. You don't want to drop the baton. You don't want to, you want to run in such a way that the next, the one's coming behind you can grab it. In truth, the sequence of stretching out and handing over and running together can last a whole lifetime. Let us not fail to pass the baton. Judges 2, 7 to 10, it speaks of Joshua and all the elders, that generation that were able to come into the promised land. At the very end of that, it says, when that generation had gathered to their fathers and mothers, another generation arose who did not know the Lord. One generation. Do you know that even now, we are connected to those who've gone before us. There's a great cloud of witnesses that are cheering us on right now. You know, when we came up here and started planted the church, we had five families and maybe four or five. Now I had four or five kids. And we got this thing of turning our hearts to the next generation. But what we really needed was some that could be that wisdom and strength and covering for us. And God provided that. The first time we met in this building, there was another church that was older than us, and um, they had reached out to Sam about prayerfully considering shifting and being their pastor. And he went, and he came home, and he goes, he said, they asked me, and he said, but I, t I told them God has told me to come up here and plant a church. But I told them if they want to come and be with us, they're welcome to, because I can't imagine them ever wanting to do that. We were a scraggly bunch of little people. <laughs> First time we met in this building, two churches came together as one. Joe Jane, I tell you, every time, I, I can't tell you how much strength I get from her. And I know she can't always be here, but I know she's praying for me. I have handwritten letters of her encouragement. Fight the fight. Keep going. She, the Caros, they have walked with us through our darkest of days. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> well, we are God's special people, but we're supposed to be different. We're supposed to be 
peculiar. And we don't want to be peculiar. But that's what God wants us to be. So that when people look at us, they know that we're not a part of the herd. And so that's what I'm getting from this. Don't be afraid to be different. Don't be afraid to give God glory and to speak of him. And that is something we have to learn, and it's not easy. But stick in there. Amen. See what I mean? She's constantly encouraging All right. Amen. You know me. <laughs> I don't know how to land planes. It's like, okay, we're done. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, let's just stand. And, um, you know, I think there's a lie of the enemy that we could all struggle and hear. Um, I remember as a little girl feeling, in fact, today as I, I was, that whole thing, a great cloud of witnesses. Oh. I felt like the Lord was saying, Eliza, Horace Hilton, he's leaning over the balcony. He's cheering you on. This man that was probably in his 70s, and I was a little girl, nine years old, just so heartbroken about my parents. And I sat in his services for three days wanting to go and pray and just say, Oh, God, please don't let my parents get a divorce. And um, I was quiet on the way home. And the Lord, I mean, my mom, she's like, you're really quiet. And I said, Yeah, there's just something I want to pray about. I didn't want to tell her what I wanted to pray about. And... Um, I said, I can't go up there because I'm just a child. And she said, Eliza, Jesus had left the children come to me. The man that next night, I'm sitting there, I'm waiting. And I run up, and I just probably blurted out, my mom and dad, I think they're getting a divorce. And he just looked at me with such wisdom. And he said, Eliza, I don't know what choice your parents will make, but this I know, Jesus will always be with you. And he ended up being our pastor, and um, he's gone on with the Lord. I'm telling you, there are fingerprints over my life and fingerprints over your life. You don't even realize what is being imparted, and you don't even realize what you're passing on. But if we begin to surrender and say, Lord, we want to be a generation that run together to see your purposes in the world, why we're living. And if we die before you come back, then this next generation is going to go further than we can ever do. So, Father, I thank you. I ask, Lord, that this word would burn in our hearts only the way you want it to be. Father, I pray that all of us would grow in maturity and turning hearts. And I understand, like, we need those to turn to and look up. I, I need those that are older than wiser than me in my life. And yet I also need to turn to impart and give strength and encouragement to the younger coming along. Lord, I pray that we would see one another by the Spirit, that we would run together after you, that we would be a generation that seeks your face, that prepares you room, that lives in such a way. This is lift up your heads, O you gates. 
that the King of glory can come in. Lord, we need your spirit to do what only you can do. I do ask for a fresh outpouring of your spirit on sons and daughters, young and old, the gifts of the spirit, and that we would learn to grow and use those gifts, that we would be as one, that we could look to you as a conductor and recognize what you're highlighting on and release that in any given moment. I thank you, Jesus. You're the head. We're all connected to you, each part together. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. I mean, I'm thinking about uh, the, the Tower of Babel when God looked down and he said, man, there's nothing. You know, they're, they're using their own strength and unity for their own name's sake. And God had to separate them. He said, wow, if they realize what will happen is they walk as one. Lord, I pray that we would be that Psalm 133, how good it is to dwell and live together in unity. That you would command your blessing, not just so that we can be blessed, but that, as Joe Jane said, we can be that chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, peculiar, unique, in this world, but not of this world. salt and light. Lord, it's your desire. There's children on the playground that I'm never going to get a chance to connect with, but the other children in this house can. Lord, each one, each part. I pray for every older person that feels like they've been passed by. I just say and declare, no, he's not passing you by. You are value important. We need you. Thank you, Father. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and give you peace. Over your household, your families, your children, your children's children. And even if you don't have children, find some spiritual children. <laughs> to a thousand generations. Amen.